Welcome back to the GT Counter Podcast. My name is Tyler. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Grayson Winters, who is not retiring today, unfortunately. But, gee, what's up, my guy? Oh, you know, man, I was at the gym this morning, and my headphones just blow up around my ears. Trying to hit leg day, it's impossible to hit leg day without headphones in. It, it was an awful pump. It was a disappointing day. And worse comes to worse, now I get to get on the mic with uh, Reed Roloffs, and that just always makes my day really good. So, glad to have Reed here. That is the uh, the winner of Capital One Bowl Mania, Reed Roloffs. Uh, please see Grayson Winters for your payment. Yeah, great man. Uh, listen, I think you got a couple things coming my way, whether it's a big old juicy steak or... Uh, you know who names it, but uh, on a roll here, happy to be joining you guys as always. Uh, middle of the week, and Grace and I also hit legs today, so we got that going for us. But uh, happy Wednesday, boys! I freaking love it. You gotta love a nice little, uh, nice little leg bonding right there between me and Reed. Um, Reed Reed is getting payment in three AMFs and a potential piggyback ride back home from the bars. Uh, we're, we're still working things out, working out the logistics to it. It's a true player to be named later type situation in the trade. It's uh, we'll figure that out later down the road. It just know it's agreed to. Um, I also hit legs today. So three for three on leg day Wednesdays there. We love that. It, it's gorgeous. The boys are just getting swole out here. You love to see it. Um, we have to start off with the day's breaking news. Nick Saban, the GOAT of coaching, uh, some would say in any sport, but especially in college football, has called it a career after seven national titles, six of those at Bama. Uh, just an incredible run there, never to be repeated again. Uh, Grayson, I'll kick this thing over to you first. What was your initial reaction and uh, what are your thoughts about the whole thing? You know, I'm not really overly surprised that this happened. I knew at some point in time soon that he'd be calling it quits. Um, And, you know, rightfully so. He's done everything that you could possibly want to do as a coach in uh, in his career, except for be successful in the NFL, obviously. But um, hell of a college coach, probably the greatest college coach of all time. Um, It's impressive. I think the craziest thing about this whole entire situation is, is he decided to do it after the closing of the transfer portal. And now they're reopening up the transfer portal for 30 days to let these Alabama players uh, relocate potentially. So uh, could open up some, uh, some big time prospects entering the portal and uh, we're, we're excited for it. We, we live for the transfer portal. Uh, Reed, whenever you saw this thing come across the wire, uh, what was your reaction to it? Fellas, we are officially in 2024, and anything that ever gets tweeted out like this, you have to double and triple check it to make sure it's not a berry um, on the loose, making stuff up. And, you know, at first thought, I was like, there's no way this is real. I saw, you know, the guy's tweet three minutes in, and I clicked on his page, and I was like, he's got a lot of followers. That might be reputable. And then, lo and behold, sounds like he huddled up the team for an emergency meeting, and Called it quits on brand on a random Wednesday afternoon. So I'm completely shocked. I did not expect that. There was no farewell tour. Uh, pure Saban style to go out on his own terms. And um, yeah, the big shocker on this end. And 
you know, just thinking moving forward, I have no idea who's going to take over that job. Um, but good luck to whoever does, because that's big shoes to fill. It's about like when Brady left or when Peyton Manning left. It's like, you know what? Thank goodness it's over. But, you know, I think it's interesting because nobody really nobody really expected this now. Like we could kind of see the writing on the wall that the time might be coming. Some of the interviews he was, you know, always talking about NIL and the portal and how the sport's undergoing a major change and anything like that. Um, so we could kind of see it coming that maybe he wasn't going to be long for this, but didn't think it'd be now, especially with some of the momentum that they had after making the playoff. Uh, many people were saying that this was one of his best coaching jobs in his career. So you kind of think that, you know, he might build some momentum off of that into next year. But at the end of the day, he just decided it was, uh, it was the right time. So we'll be interested to, uh, to see where they go. Obviously I know Lanning's been floated around, uh, James Franklin's agent, make sure to float it out there to Pete Thamel that, uh, he does have a buyout that is very reasonable in case, uh, Bama comes calling. So. Got to respect the agent work there. Um, but I think there will be time to talk about the future. I doubt there will be any kind of immediate hiring, but whenever somebody a couple years down the road says, you know, man, it's been a while since we've seen Nick Saban. What are you, Grayson, I'll kick this thing over to you first. It's like, what's your lasting memory of Nick Saban as a college football coach? I, there, I feel like there's so many really, really good memories to think about Saban as a college football coach. Um, shoot, I, I don't know if you could just pick one critical one. I mean, there's so many of them. Reed, do you have, do you have one that you, you feel inclined to? I mean, there's this guy has just, I mean, done it all. Obviously, besides all the accolades, I think my favorite memory is that clip of him and Will Muschamp uh, on the sidelines – both absolutely berating. They're they're both going absolutely nuts. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and look it up right now. Um, saw that one resurface today. Just absolutely hilarious seeing him lose his mind over probably something completely meaningless. Who knows what it actually was? But uh, it's the small things that get people fired up and uh, no different with Saban. So obviously he's probably known as the greatest to ever do it in terms of college, which is funny because he... Struggled immensely in the NFL. So, uh, doesn't really matter, I guess, but uh, seems to go unnoticed by a lot. But he has uh, got to be the GOAT here uh, in college football. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one, Reed. Um, probably, probably my favorite one, you know, there's so many to pick from. Uh, but, you know, the, the interview that he had, with, uh, I believe it was, I, I could be wrong here, I believe it was Tim Tebow when he did his interview about him being, uh, you know, a man of order and a man of routine. And he wakes up every morning and he eats his two oatmeal cream pies and drinks his cup of coffee. And I just think in my head, I'm like, I can't believe this grown man just wakes up every morning and eats two oatmeal cream pies. Like, that's just, that's just your breakfast of choice. I mean, it's just a breakfast of champions, I guess. I mean, this guy wakes up in the morning, He's an all-American winning machine, and he eats his oatmeal cream pies. We we love it. The little Debbie special. <laughs> Truly, I mean, the one for me that sticks out will always and forever be the uh, the ten horn quote. If you know, you know. Y'all don't remember the Georgia Southern game, do you? 
I don't think we had a guy on that field that didn't play in the NFL, and about four or five of them were first-round draft picks. And I think that team won a national championship, but I'm not sure. And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. Could not stop them. Could not stop them. Um, that one's a classic. I think another one in terms of like the the on the field stuff. So kind of the beginning of Bama when you have like Greg McElroy and AJ McCarron, things of that nature who are just feeble quarterbacks, really. But they had the great running game, the huge offensive line. They got under center and they just ran the crap out of the football. But then sometime in there, kind of right around the start of the playoff era, it was like he realized that this wasn't working. So he transitioned himself. He brought in some some better offensive minds. And then you get like Lane Kiffin over there. You get Sark. You get a couple of the high-level offensive minds in there. And they start putting in the spread, all the pre-snap motions. And all of a sudden, you have some good quarterback talent in the room. You get you know, Tua. You get Jalen Hurts. Um I'm sure I'm missing a couple of guys in there from before then. And uh, feeble Mac Jones, of course, you can't forget about that one either. But you you start to see him modernize. He adapted. And not only was he good before kind of like the modern college football, he was on the forefront of that, and he was pretty damn good at that too. So the fact that he had two like very distinct styles, the the defensive run-the-ball teams, and then you get to like the, the two uh, the Hurts teams that were – liable to score 45 or 50 in a given game. That was uh, it was interesting to see that transformation, and I think that goes to show just how aware he was as a coach and just how brilliant he was to be able to, to adapt with the times the way he was. Yeah, I know we uh, are trying to, to veer off a little bit. I know Edsel t- talked about the future a little bit, do we have any coaches in mind for this this positional job? Edsel, I think you brought up one or two, but I've seen a little bit of Lincoln Riley. I've seen a little bit of Brian Kelly. I don't know if either one of those are logical answers here. Um, do, do you guys have any any coaches in mind that you think could take this spot? I mean, as as far as like serious candidates, I mean, Lanning's kind of the one that gets thrown around the most. Guy from Oregon. Um, I don't think Dion is a serious option. Um, I don't think there's a ton of serious options out there. Like, who wants this job? Um, you get to follow up Saban, and unless you win titles, you're deemed a failure. Like, that's not really a great spot to be successful in when you're trying to live up to somebody before you. So I'm not sure in terms of the serious answers, but I do have quite a few in terms of uh, this would be the funniest hire of all time if you wanted to get into that. I think that the coolest hire right now could be Sark leaving and breaking Arch Manning with him. That would be something that would just be freaking nuts. There's no way it happens. Zero percent chance it happens, but it would be something. So I will say this. They, there were already rumors that Sark was going to get an extension this offseason. Uh, the Brinks truck just got a little bit bigger that they're going to back into his driveway there in Austin. They're not going to let him leave. So as good of an option as he might be, uh, I don't think it's realistic. I I think that uh, the uh, the boosters in Austin will will make sure it is uh, worth his while to stay. Well, I don't think that 
there's really anybody who – I wonder if what Alabama thinks. You know, I wonder if they had any idea this was coming and if they had a backup plan or anything or if this was just straight out of left field. Um, probably would be right of left field. You know, Saban has a little bit of that ego where, you know, he wants to go on his own and he'd probably feel a little bit better if they struggled maybe a little bit and, you know, weren't able to recapture what he was as a coach. Who knows? But, yeah, it's a tough spot for whoever takes it. Um, obviously, you got a lot of resources, so – is there maybe a young and up-and-coming guy that, you know, is well-groomed for this? Obviously, Landing, like you mentioned, Franklin's an interesting one. I'm sure if he doesn't have to play Ohio State or uh, Michigan every single year, he might be happy, although the SEC is um, going to get a little bit tougher. But, you know, did did the Big Ten just become the best conference in college football? Uh, stay tuned to find out on that one. So I do have some ideas in terms of this would be the funniest hire of all time. Uh, Ryan Day, first and foremost on that list. I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team. What he said about our team. I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. And it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what. I love those kids. And we got a tough team. After bashing Lou Holtz against uh, Notre Dame. I wonder if he wants to know where these Bama boosters are at. Uh, the message boards after the game, if they lose to you know Auburn, would just be fantastic. So uh, I hope Ryan Ryan Day gets a look. Uh, James Franklin would be pretty hilarious too because that dude does nothing except lose in meaningful games. And if Bama was to hire him, that would be the funniest outcome of all time. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, also hilariously funny hire. Championship pedigree coach. I mean, he's a winner. What more do you want from him? So uh, Jimbo would be funny. And, uh, you know, lastly, Lane Kiffin, because uh, after the rumors that he was, uh, you know, messing around with Saban's daughter there for a time being, uh, everybody forgets about that one, of course. But then they bring the kid back home. He, uh, he gets to bring he gets to come back home and do Saban's job for him. So uh, that'd be pretty funny, too. I was, I was going to say a lot of options they could go. It's going to be fun to see how quickly they, you know, start looking at candidates. I'm sure they want to jumpstart that as it's already February. And who's going to take over for these, you know, spring practices, these weight room sessions, man? Who's going to who's going to set the tone? Who knows? But I imagine they'll, you know, start the search pretty quickly. Yeah, they'll probably. You think they're going to just rock interim for the time being until they find? I mean, that's I guess that's their only option is to rock interim until they find a good, you know spot for somebody to do this job i also thought jimbo fisher would be a really funny hire etzel um you know he finally you know he he already has the great recruit recruiting like mentality i mean he can recruit his tail off so he'll probably be able to do it even better at bama but he just sucks coaching wise i mean so i mean you can recruit all the five stars you want but if you can't get them to play together i mean you're screwed Give me, give me Jimbo as my recruiting coach and give me a good offensive coordinator and we're chilling. Could I interest you in any of uh, these four names? Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, or Jim Harbaugh? Imagine Harbaugh going to Bama. I, I don't think he would ever leave Michigan to go to Bama. Just It'd be pretty funny. Actually, that would be hysterical, but uh, I don't see it happening. Carroll, he's too old. Um, sounds like he might stay in Seattle anyways, at least for one year. Um, can I introduce to you in a energetic 
PJ Fleck. Can we row the boat in Bama? In your dreams, buddy. <laughs> he says no. Uh, you know, yeah, that'd be funny. Um, but, you know, a lot of options. That's what makes it fun. Chip give Kelly, me, let's spice things up. How about you give me, uh, give me John Gruden to Bama? Oh, my goodness. We actually, we actually don't hate it at all. We actually enjoy it. Gruden Grinders back in Bama. If you want to set Alabama football back fantastic. 25 years, you go with John Gruden. That's absolutely <laughs> what you do. Hey, I'll tell you, if you put John Gruden at Alabama, they're running the dirt off the ball. It's a guarantee. They're, rowing, they're going under center and three yards in a cloud of dust every single play. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I think that's about all we got on the save and hire if we're devolving into uh, the uh, the most hilarious outcomes. But if we have any more that pop up throughout the show, I'm sure we'll just blurt them out. I mean, the brain is always working, and we can, I'm sure, come up with something good, especially as we transfer into Triple G here. It's wild card weekend, Grayson, but we have a lot going on. We got the games, and then we got the coaching carousel as well. So uh, what direction are you going to lead us here? I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into all these games. You got a lot of good games this weekend. Um, I'm really disappointed in the NFL for not putting giving us three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. Um, we don't really care to watch Monday Night Football anyways, so we would have much rather been able to sit down and have a full slate of games on Saturday and Sunday. It would have just been better for the for the program. You don't want that. Booger McFarlane Monday night special. I'm sure they kicked him off the air years ago, but could be fun. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want to watch it. Um, I'm going to watch it, but I mean, it's just, it's just like 7 PM on a Monday. Everybody works. It sucks coming home and you're, it, it's something to look forward to on Monday, but we'd all prefer to be able to sit down at the bar at noon on Saturday and sit there until 9 30 PM, 10 o'clock and watch every single game. Um, it just it's just better that way. I remember one year me and uh me and Tyler went to Buffalo Wild Wings and showed up at noon and closed Buffalo Wild Wings down on Wild Card Weekend. It was amazing. It was amazing. I think the Cowboys lost to the 49ers or no, the Rams. I think. I think it was the year the Rams beat the Saints in the playoffs. It was it was something. Just guys being it, it was a, it wasn't a Rams Super Bowl. Yeah, it was it, it was great. It was great. Um, point being made, you know, you start off the three thirty p.m. game on Saturday, Browns versus the Texans in Houston. First time the Texans have hosted a playoff game in God knows how long. Um, the best part of a decade, probably. Um, this game's going to be freaking electric. This, this Houston Texans offense is really, really good right now. It's humming. Um, it'd be better if Tank Dell didn't get hurt and was out for the year. But, you know, Nico Collins is playing really, really well. C.J. Stroud's playing really, really well. The run game's starting to look a lot better as the season's going along. It's actually coming together. And you get to play this Browns team that's absolutely terrifying with Joe Flacco. Um, this This is a game to worry about. If you let Amari Cooper and get the Browns run game going, this could be an early way out for this for this Texans team. Um, so it's it's kind of a scary one. You guys got anything on this uh, Texans Browns game? How long is it going to take for the Joe Flacco 
Cinderella to go away. We had Dobbs there for a while. How long is it going to be until Flacco just turns into the pumpkin that he was for countless years after his elite days in Baltimore? Like, I don't understand. None of this makes sense at all. I'm waiting for the downfall. I'm patiently waiting for him to suck again. Um, I hope it's this week. I'm not sure it will be, but I hope it is this week. Um, I don't know. If he plays well, I think the Browns have a a real chance here. They are favored in the game, so you'd hope so. But uh, I don't know, man. Something about this Texans team. If C.J. Stroud can avoid the pass rush and uh, stay on his feet, I like their chances. I am honestly shocked to see that. No, remind me, I am somewhat of a casual when it comes to the NFL this year. Just the interest isn't as high as it's been. But remind me, is which where's this, is this game in Houston? It's in Houston. Yep. I was shocked to see that the Browns were favored. I did, honestly didn't understand that line. Um, I think that Houston's going to win. And, yeah, just really did not make any sense to me. But um, I, if I was to guess, I think that it's going to be a Houston win. And I don't think they go much longer than that. But uh, both these teams don't really do it for me. I just think Stroud is probably going to put up a better performance in Flacco than playoff Flacco. So should be fun. I really, really like the over in this game, too. You know, the over sitting at 44.5 points. And I think these teams are going to score a lot. I don't know. They're going to score over probably 21 points, 28 points apiece. Um, So I really do like this over at 44.5. The Browns' offense has been humming. Texans' Texans offense has been humming. And the Texans can't stop anybody. Their secondary has been bottom of the barrel this year um so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch this game so i'm excited for that moving in to the saturday 7 p.m game we have the miami dolphins playing the kansas city chiefs in arrowhead stadium and the most important feature of this game is the fact that it's going to be negative seven degrees at kickoff in kansas city so it's going to be every bit of snow football that you could possibly want. And I think that's why this the over-under is so low at 44 points with these two high-humming offenses is there's going to be a lot of trouble scoring in this game. Both these teams want to air the ball out. They're going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be wet. It's not going to be fun. So um, should be a really, really interesting game. I know that the Miami still has a couple of players that aren't going to be there. I don't know Xavier Howard's status right now. I think he's still questionable for the game. I'm sure he's going to pull it out and play, but should be should be interesting to see. And uh, Tyreek's return to Kansas City. So what do you guys what do you guys got on this one? Give me the upset. I think the Dolphins are a sleeping giant here after. Uh... Getting put in an unfortunate spot. Let's just call it like it is. If you win the game against the Bills last week, you have to turn around and play them again at the same spot the next week. At least now they get to get a new team. And what better team to go on the road against than the Chiefs, who can't score this year? That's the only thing you're really worried about with them with the Miami offense. Like, I think they're a live dog here. I would not hate a money line play. And I, if I was an NFL better, which I'm not, I would probably take the points. Yeah, this just is just 
it feels weird. You know, Kansas City, it's if you've watched any Kansas City games this year, this is not the same team that we've, you know, grown accustomed to. They have just don't have the weapons and I they're just not the same team. Not a big believer in them going far whatsoever this year. And then you have the Dolphins who were super fun this year and then, you know, have fallen off tremendously. They no longer look like, you know, the team that they hope to be. So to me, this is kind of a sleeper game. I just am not truly interested. Um, was shocked to see, you know, what is I think it was the last line I saw was four and a half for uh, the Dolphins. So I guess I like that number considering I don't know which way it's going to go. I think it'll be probably close, but I think the Dolphins have uh, enough firepower. Seeing Tua play in some freezing weather should be pretty funny. Um, not sure that's ever happened. I saw a stat that he's been, I think, pretty horrible with weather under 40. Um, so I think it was 45. So yeah, it's going to be a rude awakening for um, the Hawaiian to sling it out there in that cold. So um, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a problem. I would honestly, it probably lean still to Miami just because I feel like Miami's run game is is something that will probably put them ahead in this a little bit with A-Chain. And I think Mostert is going to be off of injury after coming into this game. So he should be good to play. Um, but yeah, I think Miami might be able to get the job done here. It'll be interesting. Arrowhead's tough to play in. Um, moving into our Sunday noon game, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo against the Bills, and the Bills are favored big time in this game, and you probably think, why are the Bills favored big time in this game? Because TJ Watt has been ruled out with a grade two MCL sprain, and that's kind of the heart and soul of this Steelers defense. TJ Watt being out, Mason Rudolph at quarterback. This is a lose-lose situation. Give me the Bills. I'll take the points at 10.5. I think they'll cover. It's too many. It's too many. This is uh, it's the playoffs. You never know what kind of version of the Bills you're going to get. Um, I don't trust Josh Allen these days. So give me the 10.5 here. I think it's gotten too high up. I think it stays within a touchdown here. Yeah, it's as much as I hate the Steelers in terms of, you know, one, just watching them, but two, I just don't think they're very good, uh, especially at quarterback. I know that Josh Allen is going to make some mistakes in this one, and uh, never good when you have a spread as high as, you know, I've seen nine and a half and ten. So, yeah, I don't hate that play to me. I'm not going to get anywhere near that line, but um, the Bills should probably, they should roll in this one, but you never know. You could take an over. I mean, that what was it, 36 and a half? The last I saw, um, which is low. Yeah, but it's, it's 36 right now, which is really yeah. low. But so it's, it's also going to be in Buffalo, and it's probably going to be a foot of snow, I'm sure. So Right. It'll be, it'll be something. It'll be something. I mean, neither one of these teams are going to be affected by the coldest. It's freezing where they play every single weekend, so I'm sure they'll be fine. Moving into our next game, the 3.30 time slot, we have the Green Bay Packers coming to Dallas to play the Dallas Cowboys. And this game is going to be uh, an interesting one. You know, Mike McCarthy, former coach of the Packers, gets to play the Packers in a playoff game. This is the 10-year anniversary of the Des Codet ordeal and situation. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw this one straight over to Ed. Big, uh, I know he's got some some feelings about this Cowboys game. Um, you know, neither result would shock me here if the Cowboys win by 14 or lose by 14. Uh, you know, it's we haven't played the Packers since the boogeyman left, so you gotta you gotta wonder about what they're gonna look like against Jordan Love. Did did Jordan Love get transferred the boogeyman ownership by Aaron Rodgers? Much like he was transferred ownership of the Bears. You just don't know it until you see it. So we we gotta see that. But this Cowboy team is far and away more experienced and more talented. Uh, they should win this game. They've been dominant at home, won 16 straight home games. Uh, I'll take the Cowboys to win. I have no no take on the number. Uh, I think they probably score 30-plus. So if you can find a team total out there, 31-and-a-half, 30-and-a-half, something like that, that, that'd be the way I would lean. Yeah, I think Jordan Love's going to absolutely have to play perfect in this one, which I what I mean by that is, you know, since the Packers aren't going to be able to turn the ball over, they're going to have to play as well as possible. I'm going to have to run the ball a little bit. It's, you know, it shouldn't be close, but it, uh, that, that that's probably the only way they, they give themselves a chance here. So in Dallas, I, I think the Cowboys win big. I love it. I love it. Moving into Sunday's 7 p.m. game, we have the Rams versus the Lions. And we've been waiting for this matchup for a long time. We get to see who finally, overall, outright wins this trade. You have Jared Goff going against Matthew Stafford. As everybody knows, they were originally on, Matthew Stafford was originally on the Lions, and Jared Goff was originally on the Rams. And they did a little quick switcheroo, a little trade ski, and now they get to match up in the playoffs. And this is just freaking awesome. I just love how everything in, in sports comes full circle. And this is coming full circle for me. Give me the Rams money line as the underdog. I got it big. Interesting. Um, I think Detroit is going to be on fire for this game. The fans are going to be crazy. First home game they've had in the playoffs in over 30 years. Uh, it's going to be on fire up there, man. I'm really looking forward to watching this game. Uh, I'm just worried about if the if the Lions come out a little bit too energized. You know, maybe take a couple of personal fouls that they wouldn't normally take. Something like that. Just the energy fouls that you're doing too much and and you get got. So worried about that. But I'm also worried about the uh, about the Rams a little bit. Stafford, he's shown to be fragile a little bit. Um, coming home, back to Detroit in a raucous environment. You got to know if his skill guys are going to show up. Outside of Cup, can you really rely on a rookie fifth rounder in the playoffs and Puka Nakua? I'm not sure you can. Uh, give me the Lions by touchdown here. So I'll take them to winning cover. I think the Rams are probably the team that nobody wants to play right now. You know, have played as well as... I mean, they've just finished the year really well. I just think that the Lions, I know they've had a good year and they were, you know, the preseason favorite to win the NFC North and they did so. I think the loss of Sam Laporta really hurts. Um, and for that reason, I think the Rams at least cover. Um, wouldn't be shocked if they win either. So I like that pick, Grayson. Moving into our Monday night classic, 7 p.m. You have the Eagles traveling down to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. This is an interesting game for me. Eagles 1-5 in the last six weeks of the season. 
Jalen Hurts looks about as bad as he possibly can be looking. And they're playing the Buccaneers, a team that's, you look at them on their roster and nothing overly special. Baker Mayfield's been dealing a little bit come late in the end of the season. This is a toss-up game to me. I really don't have any anywhere to go with this one. If I did say something, I would probably take Tampa money line just because the odds are decently in favor of them. I just I can't back the Eagles right now. I don't think they're going to win this game. I think this is the uh, the buy low spot on Philly. You're telling me that this Baker team is only three points, you know, worse than this team? No, I don't believe it. I think they. I don't think they're a true contender here. I think the Niners wallop them in the next round. But I think we get a statement win by the Eagles here. I think they win in cover. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's by double digits. So maybe I'm very wrong there. But I just think they'll have a little bit of shame, a little bit of pride, and they won't lose something like six out of their last seven to uh, to hit the hay in the wild card round. I think they at least get a pity win against Tampa here. Uh, give me the Eagles. Yeah, I, it's hard. I mean, the Eagles have been so hard to watch. I mean, they just almost seem like they're a show of themselves. Uh, but I just, it's the Bucks. If they don't win this one, I mean, they, I don't even know what to say. So I expect they'll win. They should cover. I don't care what the number is. They should cover. Uh, but we've said it all year long and it hasn't happened. So we'll see. Love it. Love it. Well, that's everything I have on Triple G. For today, um, let's uh, let's let's hop into this uh, this college football season recap. Um, do we have any any favorite games on the year? Moments, you know, anything like that? I mean, of course, but uh, I do want us to get paid real quick. So let's insert this ad break right here, and uh, we'll get to that coming up next. This episode of the GT Counter Podcast is presented by Zencaster, the all-in-one solution making podcasting easy. Zencaster provides high-quality audio and video recording, production, and hosting right for everyone's individual podcasting needs. Being a creator has never been easier. Just look at us. We started using Zencaster because we are a couple of dudes who like to talk about sports, entertainment, and the goings-on of life. With the help of Zencaster, we've been able to get our thoughts produced and transmitted at the highest quality to you, the listeners. It's super easy to get started. All you need is the internet, and you too can create high-quality podcasts in no time. The best part is that this is all-in-one if you choose. You can record, produce, and transmit your podcast to all major podcast platforms all in one stop using Zencaster's easily accessible dashboard from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. All you need to do is go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code GT for a generous 30% off your first month of any paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. All right, coming back, season recap in college football. Um, I want to go around the horn here and kind of get your takes on your favorite games, favorite moments, favorite and least favorite teams, and then we'll hit on bowl season here at the back end here. So first off, favorite games. Doesn't have to be because it was a great game or anything like that, but just when you think back to this year, a game that's going to stick out to you. I know all of you want me to say Texas and Bama, so I will absolutely not say that. And we'll go to the next week when uh, K-State traveled to Miz, M-I-Z, 
and the thicker kicker, Big Mevis, drilled a 61-yarder at the death to beat K-State. That's a moment that I'm always going to remember because I was yelling at my TV the entire final five seconds when they let a delay of game happen to back him up even further. And then he says, you know what? I got this, coach. Drills it from 61. Uh, shout out to Big Mevis. Absolute legend in a game I will never forget. Yeah, I have a I have a couple of games on this that are that are good ones. Um, let me start off with we'll we'll head into rivalry weekend when Alabama played Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Alabama, a team that looked like they were playing for their season on the line, and they looked like crap through about three and a half quarters of this game. Come back late, and Jalen Milrow seals the deal on. Fourth and 30-something. Seal the deal on fourth and 30-something with a Hail Mary in the back left-hand corner of the end zone. Uh, Never, ever in my life have I ever seen a player be single-covered with only rushing three defenders. Point being made, what a freaking miracle catch. I mean, this is as good as it gets for college football. Um, what What a great game and what a better moment. Am I allowed to just say Iowa football in general? The gift that was continued to give each and every week. Just an absolute masterclass of punts, punts, punts. Uh, shout out to the guys wearing the punts generic gray sweatshirts out there in the fans or in the stands. You know, the, shout out to the cameraman for to being able to cut to them almost every single time there was something horrible that was on the field. Uh, but if I have to pick one game, obviously I'm going to show my bias here. And the, uh, the ending of that Iowa Minnesota game with the so-called fair catch, the controversy there, the instant replay to bring it back, uh, to ruin Iowa's season. I don't know. I guess they still made it to the, uh, conference championship, but Lord knows we all knew they weren't going to score. So, uh, if this is the last year of Iowa football, as we know it, then, yeah, it was a fun one. That it was. Uh, I'm going to go to a game that next that me and Grayson were both at uh, the Southwest Classic, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Uh, getting to see Sam Pittman's ginormous chest in person was something to behold there. Um, and the game was pretty good, too. The overhitting on a, a garbage time touchdown. Really appreciated that one from uh, now UCF quarterback KJ Jefferson. Um Talk about a team getting hammered by the portal. Arkansas, woof. Anyhow, uh, seeing that game down on field level, the athletes on that field, 90% of whom have now left that team and are either in a, in the portal or already transferred. Um, unforgettable stuff. And truly hope we can do it again next year. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome to uh, to have that experience. I mean, it's it's like something you've never – you never seen before getting to watch SEC football up close. It's it's pretty amazing, to say the least. Um, another one of my favorite moments. Uh, Reed did the bias. I'm pulling the bias now. Let's let's rock with Notre Dame versus Duke. Uh, you know my man Sam Hartman. He didn't do much for us this year, but what he did do was scramble for a 21-yard first down at the end of this Duke game. Scrambles for it, leads up to an Audric Estime 31-yard rushing touchdown right up the pipe of this Duke defense. And 
it was one of those games where we were coming off a really hard week of Ohio State the week before, and we come out and we came out pretty flat against a good Duke team and kind of got our bells rang for three quarters, very similar to what happened to Alabama, and then end up getting lucky and winning a game, and Riley Leonard gets hurt late in this game and kind of spoiled Duke's season, but it was it was one of my favorite moments of Notre Dame football this year. So Yeah, it's I mean obviously a ton of fun games. Um I think we had I can I I mean can I say last week with you know the semifinals, two great games there. Um just, you know, quality football being played. Um already excited for next year. Sad that it's over. Uh well, obviously we have the NFL now, but man, it's, it's not college. It's just not the same and uh, I can't wait for the fall. Oh, yeah. August is coming soon. Uh, one last one for me that stands out. It is that Notre Dame-Ohio State game, if only just for Ryan Day. And uh, truly an incredible game. And him kicking the field goal there to uh, ruin Reed's ticket right there in front of me at the uh, at the shoe. Uh, that was just painful to watch. And uh, truly a game for the ages. And... Uh, Man, what what an exhilarating rush that was. It was a banger. Uh, I will never forgive Ryan Day to this day. Um, no pun intended. And uh, that was a painful one. Yeah, it was it was a really painful one to watch. Um, sitting there watching the game as a Notre Dame fan. You know, we do this thing when we play Ohio State. We go up big early. And then we can never close out a game. I don't know what our deal is, but. We got a, we got a lot to improve on before uh, we go to A and M and play at Kyle Field, uh, week one of the season next year. So we got a lot to improve on. We're we'll hopefully be a good team. Next up in our countdown here is our favorite and least favorite teams. Um, this could be teams that we uh, may have wagered on, teams that we faded a lot during the year, or just teams that we really enjoyed playing uh, or watching play. I should say. Uh, first up for me, Grayson, I know you share this sentiment. It's our cats. Fafita was an absolute electric machine down the stretch. Not only was he fun to watch, but he also made us a lot of money. So shout out to coach fish, Fafita, our cats. I can't wait to place a future on them to make the playoff next year. They're going to win the big 12 and I cannot wait to be there for it. Yeah, that's a, that's gotta be one of my favorites. Uh, another team that seemed to win me a lot of money this year, uh, give me the Fresno State Bulldogs. I don't know why, but every time I put a bet on them this year, it hit. It was money. Um, you know, I didn't hit very many bets this year, but when I did, it always had Fresno written all over it. So I love Fresno. Um, respect them for, for covering a ton of games this year. It's, it's big time. You know, I could go back to the well here, but I, I got to just say Tennessee and uh, Florida are on my my hate list. Um, as much as I enjoyed going to Florida and checking out them or that stadium, it was electric. Uh, both those teams were just hard. Not only were they hard to watch, but uh, lost me a lot of bets as well. So on my naughty list for sure. Yeah, on my uh shit list if you will. Uh Maryland losing back-to-back games as two touchdown favorites to go under seven and a half wins in the regular season. Bad 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 terps. Uh Mike Loxley, I hope you have mayo in uh in your face for the rest of your life. Just atrocious. 
And then Auburn, 26-point favorite to Diego in the Ponzi scheme of New Mexico State. Coach Jerry killing the boys walk into Auburn and win by three touchdowns. Just disgraceful. They should be relegated to the uh, to Conference USA for that one. Just, just an abomination to football. And uh, truly, truly terribly sorry for anybody who rode me, with me on Auburn there. Uh, bad. I don't even have any other words to say it. But those two teams, easily two of my least favorite. Yeah the uh, the team that the team that's got to be my least favorite on the year has got to be the Louisville Cardinals. They stomped the dirt out of Notre Dame, which was even was really disappointing. And then when I back them in the ACC championship, they do nothing but let me down. Um, it's it's really really disappointing. I mean, it's 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 as bad as it gets. I hit every single bet championship weekend except for Louisville. I mean, what else? What else could you want from a team that comes out and beats the dirt out of your favorite team, just to back them one time and hope they get a win for you? And what do they do? They let Tate Rotemaker come out there and throw for four picks. So it, it was something. That's for sure. It was something. That it was. Um, one of the other teams that I had a lot of success with this year, both fading and uh, tailing, Cal. Uh, the Wilcox boys. Uh, they went over their win total, which I didn't have. But they put up some real good fights. I remember uh, I took Idaho against Cal in non-conference, and they were up 17 nothing at one point and covered the – you know, the 21 or whatever. Uh, I was on Cal a couple of different times throughout the year, and uh, they were able to get the job done, which we absolutely love to see. So uh, missed out on their win total because they happened to uh, to beat Stanford there, which was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, Stanford, another team. Winning that game against Colorado when they were down 28 in the first half, and they win in the second half to ruin my win total. Troy Taylor and the Stanford Cardinal can go away for a while. I I can't stand them, and and uh, I know that he's going to get the program back going. But man, losing a win total in that in that fashion, oh my gosh, horrible. Yeah, not a not ideal there by any means. Um, I think that you know this isn't on our on our conversation record, uh, but I think we we might want to talk about teams that maybe proved us wrong this year, Ed. And I think the team that probably proved us the most wrong all season had to have been the Oklahoma State Pokes. I mean, we were down on them big time, said they were going to maybe win four games all year. Um, and we looked good at the beginning of the season. They lose to South Alabama. We're locked in. We we bought the Huskies. We faded the Pokes. We said, this is our year, baby. And the Pokes turn around and ball out in the second half of this season. and balled out so well that Gundy's kid decided he was going to enter the transfer portal. So um, it's, it's, it was crazy. Um, this Pokes team really, really turned this thing around. Um, and, you know, good, good for Oklahoma State to play in the Big 12 championship and get their, their crap kicked in. Um, we didn't want to watch Texas versus OU again anyways. So, yeah. Um, a team that proved me wrong this year was, without a doubt, Florida State. I was, I think, the last month of the season – betting against them every week because I thought that they were going to lose. They just never did until uh, half their roster was in the portal or in the draft. So shout out to Florida State, man. Um, any any other year they're in the playoff, even with the injury situation, but they proved me wrong. I thought that they were going to lose with or without Travis. 
and they just didn't for the entire regular season. So shout out to the Knowles. Uh, depending on what they can bring back next year, might be a little bit different, but uh, boy, did they prove me wrong this year. I had to eat it a lot with them this year. I think, you know, something that jumped off the page to me is LSU, you know, figured they'd be really good offensively. They were, but to see how bad they were defensively was shocking, you know, just with all the talent that they're able to bring in, not only with the notoriety of the program, but you know, Brian Kelly being a good recruiter. I mean, they had talented guys, but they just, you know, couldn't play a lick of defense. So that was the most surprising thing, I think, that uh, happened all year for me. Um, they got a Heisman winner out of it, but yeah, it was pretty unknown just because of, you know, the amount of games that they lost and so kind of a wash of a year. Yeah. I feel like we need to talk about bowl season next because there were a lot of storylines, whether it was guys who hadn't really played, but got their moment to shine like, uh, Miller Moss, USC's backup who led them to a resounding win against Louisville in the, uh, in the holiday bowl. I mean, there were so many storylines mascots out there running amok. Shout out to the pop tart. Uh, we just got to go around the horn here real quick. Favorite bowl season moments. I don't want to steal anybody. So I cook, I'll kick this thing over to you first G and then uh, Reed, you can go next. Uh, you know, obviously I was at the sun bowl and that stadium was absolutely unbelievable to be at. Um, it's like carved into the side of this rock and it's about as cool as one could possibly have anything. I mean, the stadium's unreal, especially for a stadium that's like, you know, L like UTEP stadium. It's pretty nuts to have that there. Um, probably the coolest moment in bowl, you know, bowl, all of the bowl games for me is when Chase Keeter, Notre Dame's, Fifth-year senior running back who has never taken a handoff before. Takes one at the end of the Oregon State-Notre Dame game. Runs up the middle for a six-yard touchdown. And the sideline just absolutely erupts. I mean, this guy's never touched the football in a game before. And they give him his chance to run the ball right up the middle. And he scores. And, you know, I think that's what football is all about is, you know, when you're up big, give back to those guys that have been on the team and been a faithful player and been part of the program and invested so much into this program for forever. And I love that. I mean, that's just big time. I know I was, you know, I know I was super excited for him. I never got the feeling of scoring a touchdown. I was a yard short, um, but pretty cool. Pretty cool for this guy. Yeah. That was a tough one there for you, G being, uh, being a yard short of the end zone there in the corner. Uh, couldn't have scripted it any better. Just couldn't get you all the way to the pylon. Yeah, I was. Uh, if if anybody would block for me, shout out my boy Jaron Alvarado for not blocking the linebacker that I had to stiff arm. Um, once again, softest dude I know. Um, anyways, um, and a couple of moments to stand out for me. Probably the games that I attended in bowl season. So uh, when me and Reed were at the uh, the Armed Forces Bowl, there watching Bo Richter just ruin the uh, James Madison quarterback's life that day. That was a tough one there. Uh, seeing the the Air Force triple option machine just mow down these poor Dukes, uh, it was just, it was a sight to behold. Uh, also, King Duke, the uh, the mascot, was an absolute king. 
Uh, he deserves all of the good boys out there. He's uh, he's an absolute legend. So uh, he was uh, he was great to see. And then in the uh, the first responders bowl, you get to see uh, the Texas State fans drink the entire stadium out of beer. I will always remember that they drank the stadium out of beer by halfway through the third quarter, and then they stormed the field after the game at a neutral site. So. I'm down there just trying to do my job, you know, just reporting the news. And then all these kids, these drunk idiots, they just run out on the field and uh, storm the place, take it over. It was truly a, uh, as the uh, the Square and podcast mentioned to me, it was, uh, they ate them up and then they drank them down. And boy, did they do both pretty well in that game. So uh, shout out to Texas State. That was, uh, that was pretty incredible to see. Yeah. That's a that was a really really good one. Um, gosh, there was a lot of really good bowl games. Um, I mean, we got to talk about the Pop Tart Bowl mascot, right? Put sacrificing himself for the greater good, dumping himself in the toaster. Yeah, that's a uh, that's definitely one that's uh that we love. I mean, uh, probably the one for me was the Alamo Bowl. You know. You got to see Jackson Arnold get his first start in a game. You got to see our boy Noah Fafita play. Um, it was a game to watch, OU versus Arizona. And it was pretty – it was really, really tight down the stretch. I mean, OU was actually, I believe, winning in this game until the fourth quarter, and Arizona just kind of turned on the NOS, kind of kicked the crap out of them in the fourth quarter, scoring 17. Um, it was just an all-around great game. Watching this game, Arizona looked like they were going to jump out immediately out the gates and kind of kick the dog crap out of them. Jackson Arnold threw some untimely picks. Um, I think as an OU fan, I think you're excited with Josh Arnold. I think he's going to have a really good future, a really good career at OU. Um, And it's good that he got his first playing time against a good Arizona team. So really, really love that. Excited for Josh Arnold's future. Even more excited for Noah Fafita's future and them cats next year. Yeah, Jackson Arnold, I know he had several turnovers in that game, but, you know, a couple of drops and, you know, freshman mistakes still happen. So good to get the jitters out in a ranked matchup in a bowl game, like you said. Um, going back to early bowl season, you had some some wild ones. Uh, Shreveport was an interesting one with Texas Tech and Cal. You had a decent matchup with UCLA and Boise, but that was kind of watered down a little bit. And then Utah and Northwestern in a game that I think had 180 combined offensive yards between both teams. A uh, game that ended 14-7 to and capped off a, a truly incredible year for Northwestern after all the chaos that happened this offseason. So that's one that'll stick out for sure. Off the field, you got like the Pot-Tarts Bowl mascot sacrificing himself. That was always a pretty awesome to see. Uh, the Mayo Bowl, you'd love to see the coach get dumped in Mayo. And uh, the announcer is just truly being disgusting with anything and everything that you can dip in mayonnaise. Uh, pretty disgusting, terrible, but makes for great TV. Glad I wasn't the one eating all that stuff. And then uh, the cheese it Bowl mascot. Uh, while he's on stage with Nico, the Tennessee quarterback, and Josh Heupel, the, the cheese its just back there being the cheesiest, and he's got a box of Cheez-Its in his hand. He just sneaks it between the guys and... Uh, Tennessee's quarterback, Nico, just grabs it and holds it, and the mascot just gives a quick little thumbs up. It's like, oh, this is what bowl season's about right here. 
the cheese it mascot just going off. One other game, and then we can move into a we can move into odds and end segment. But the Cotton Bowl was a really really good game this year. Missouri versus Ohio State. Absolutely no offense played in this one. It was about as quiet of a game as you could see offensively. And it's just one of those grinded out games where Mizzou ends up coming up, up coming out on top with a couple of Cody Schrader touchdowns. And I just really I really enjoyed watching this game. I love watching a little defensive battle back and forth. Um what I mean it's it's always fun to watch a shootout. But it's always fun to watch two great defenses come out and just freaking kick the dog crap out of each other. So it was it was really really awesome to see. Um, would have liked to see uh, Ohio State maybe score a couple more times and win this game, but it's it's always good to see a uh, to see a uh, Ryan Day loss. So we love it. absolutely um, just an outstanding bowl season. Hopefully next year with the expanded playoffs and maybe some changes to the structure of college football, we'll get some changes where we see more guys play. We'll get to see some better matchups and all in all better games. And that's what we're after here. So really looking forward to next year. August can't get here soon enough. And when it does, we will be here ready to document it all for you. So coming up next, it's time for odds and ends. We have to talk about a hotel exploding in downtown Fort Worth. And then of course, we have another draft for you. This time, we're going to draft our favorites to win the Super Bowl this year, snake draft style, and we'll see who drafts the winning Super Bowl team. So that and more coming up next. All right, coming back for odds and ends. Uh, first and foremost, we just have to advise the people that, yes, we are, in fact, monitoring the situation in downtown Fort Worth with the uh, the hotel, the uh, the Sandman exploding due to what appears to be a gas leak. Um, underrated aspect of this, the uh, it was brought to our attention that the the Dallas Stars hockey team owner actually owns the hotel as well. So hopefully that is not a sign of what's to come for the Dallas Stars this season. Obviously pretty wild to see. It looked like a war zone down there, G. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures of it. Uh, looked pretty crazy down there. Yeah. I saw a few pictures of it. Um, I know my dad talked to me about it a little bit. It it was pretty, it looked a little bit nuts. I mean, it looked almost like it wasn't a pipe that went off. It, it looked pretty scary, to say the least. Maybe a pipe bomb, but not like a gas leak. It was crazy. All the more reason to never stay in a hotel that is older than you are. There's plenty of good options out there that have either been redone or are just brand new hotels out there. No reason to stay at an old historic building go get you a nice place i mean there's plenty of them out there exactly i couldn't agree more so while it's just us here let's go ahead and hit some of our goals so we need to set our 24 goals for the year um both personal and then some pod goals as well just to keep us honest here so i'm gonna kick this thing we can go kind of back and forth here um i want to get some personal goals first g what do you have uh what's your first personal goal for 2024 I think the first goal I'm going to have is financially. I would like to save up enough money to be able to put a down payment down on a house in 2025. So I think that's my first personal goal. Love that. Um, won't be possible for me. I, I am not a breadwinner quite, quite like that. But, uh, you know, we're just trying to save a little bit, little bit by bit. So we'll we'll keep it moving there. Um, my first goal, I want to read two books this year. 
I've got two in my nightstand here that I've got ready to go. I haven't really read much since college. It kind of burned me out a little bit. So I want to read these books. And then, you know, there's a lot of people who are a book a month. I know that's not realistic. I wouldn't be able to get that done. So I want to start off easy. We'll go with two books. I think it's an attainable goal. And I'm excited to read them. I'm excited about these books. And I hope, uh, hopefully I can accomplish that one pretty early here. Yeah, I like that one a lot, actually. My, uh, my boss keeps giving me all these investment books and finance books that he wants me to read. And I just, I can't find any, uh, any motivation to, uh, to read anything with just so busy with, you know, I'm still doing my master's, so I'm so busy with that and stuff like that, but I should definitely make, make more time for, for something like that. Um, my next goal is going to be, I want to pass at least one CPA exam before the end of 2024. Um, so that's, That'll give me about eight months after my master's degree is over in April to study and pass one. So that's kind of my uh, kind of my thought process. Nice. Like that. Like that. My next goal, I'm taking it to the golf course, Gray. I'm going to play 20 rounds of golf this year. That's my objective. Uh, obviously going to be moving to Fort Worth here before long, so I'll be right in the area, a lot of good golf courses. I need to get 20 rounds of golf in, and I'd like to walk at least two of them. So that's the goal. We're playing 20 or walking two of them. You need, need to get yourself a push cart for, uh, for the summer. That's, that was a big way that I lost a ton of weight push cart golfing over the summer. I'd hop on out on the course at six o'clock, have a tee time at six o'clock and you can play, get nine holes in every single time after six. It's like, well, in Oklahoma, it's a little bit more affordable to, uh, to do that as it's like $10 a round after five o'clock in Texas. It's, it's just not the same. It's just, it's just not the same. Um, point being made, I think my my next goal is going to be a health and fitness goal. I would love to be anywhere between 12 and 15% body fat by the end of 2024. Um, kind of my health goal. Um, I, I've lost a ton of weight. Now I just want to put on muscle and kind of get rid of more of this fat. So. Comes with a lot of dieting, a lot of lifting, and you know, working hard, plain and simple. So that would be my goal. I'll kind of piggyback you there. So I need to lose twenty more pounds. That would get me under the two twenty mark. That would uh, that would hit my goal. So twenty pounds down by the end of the year. That's the objective. I think it's reasonable. I know I've lost a lot of weight already, so it's it's harder to lose these pounds. But I think I can get that done. And once I do. Uh, I'll be able to start rebuilding from from the ground up. So, got to get rid of those twenty so we can fully uh, fully rebuild here. The process, trust the process, right? Yeah, trust the process. Yeah, it gets it gets harder um, the lower you get down, and it gets harder. It gets easier to put on weight when we get down too. So, need to uh, need to put a rubber band on my wrist every time Taryn comes home with a box of crumble cookies because I have about as little um, self-control as, as the next person. So it's it's just not ideal. I'll actually smack down all four of them in one sitting. It, it's an issue. Uh, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, I think the next goal for me, uh, I kind of want to do a, a podcast goal. You know, not a podcast goal as a whole for both of us, but a podcast goal for myself. I would like to, when we restart up our money 
in August of next year. I would like to win the betting for football season. I know Reed Roloff's kind of wiped the floor with us this past fall. Um, he doesn't know what's going to happen this upcoming fall. It, it's a different. It's a. It's a. It's the year of the beast for Grayson Winters. Okay, we're 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 doubling up, and we're making some money. Love that. I would of course love to win that. Uh, Reed, like you said, he he kind of mopped us here this year. So, got to reset. Get ready for next year on that one. Um, my last personal goal here. I want to visit a new state. So states that I haven't been to. Uh, I want to go see a place that I've never seen before. So that's the objective this year. Got a lot of options out there to make that possible. Just got to figure out the right time and the uh, the right people to do it with. So whether it's Vegas, whether it's, you know, Denver. Well, I've actually been to Colorado skiing, so I'll take that back. But, you know, tons of options out there to make this happen. And uh, I will check that box off the list. I will visit a new state before the end of the year. Yeah, that uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be nice. I think uh, a podcast goal for us is we probably want to get. I don't know what are what are you thinking? How we get what we get what roughly a thousand views a month, a listens a month. <laughs> I wish there. we probably get a couple hundred a month. Okay, so maybe maybe our goal is to get a thousand. Then I think that's reasonable. We need to we we can grow. I think we can get a thousand listens a month. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable by December of 2024, you get a thousand listens in one of the months. Yeah, that's what we I like that. Um, I think another one that we can make um, get credentials for five games at least. I think that we can swing that if we can get credentials five times, whether it's basketball, whether it's college football. Uh, there's got to be opportunities out there for us to get out there, get boots on the ground and go see some of these events. So I think if we can get credentialed five times, that would be my goal. Yeah. We got to work on getting credentialed for regular se- more regular season games. I feel like they're, they're easier for us to get on. I feel like we could get on just about any of the North Texas games. Um, I know you got, we tried SMU a little bit late. I feel like if we got on earlier, it would be better off there. Um, even maybe check out some some Oklahoma games, maybe maybe Tulsa, maybe um, OU, maybe when they're playing Alabama. Um, I wonder if those tickets have gone down in price now that Saban left. Probably not. If anything, they've gone up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Imagine imagine being one of those people that paid. I I, t- I said to I said to my dad that I wanted to get tickets to the Alabama game because I wanted to see Saban coach one time in person. Imagine being one of those people that got tickets to OU Bama and now you don't get to see Saban coach in person. Oh, it's absolutely brutal. Crazy. Um, Another goal for for podcast-wise, I want to expand a little bit, maybe get into a little bit of uh, maybe like blogs or maybe instead of like doing a recap podcast of one of the events we cover, maybe do like a little, a quick little write-up about it instead of uh, a little podcast. Maybe... Maybe get some written interaction there. Maybe that would, uh, I don't know, maybe at least a little change of pace. Maybe some people don't have 20 minutes to set aside for a pod. Maybe uh, maybe they just want to read about it instead. So maybe we'll uh, we'll dabble in that. I think I want to do at least one of those. Yeah, I like that. I'd also, uh, 
I'd also love to see if we can't get on the voting for, you know, there's like 595 people that vote for the freaking Belinda Koff and stuff like that. I mean, Edsel, you might you might have a chance of getting on uh, one of those voting lists with your with the credentials you have in your coaches' association. Well, or your writers' association. It's funny enough that you say that because as I look at my email from. Uh earlier this week i do see an email to vote for the coach of the year award so i am a voter on that one at least so i guess that can't even be a goal for us. i mean we could try to get heisman oh. votes they're giving those out like candy so maybe we can be heisman voters we're better than some of them out there that's for yeah. sure i wish we could get a vote on who makes the college football playoffs that would be that would be put sick. us on the committee we'd love that yeah put us on the committee sign us up immediately Exactly. We would have picked the same exact four teams that you picked this year. We were so, ahead of the curve sign us. as compared to the committee. We we were ahead on those four teams. We we knew. We knew. Yeah. We, we knew who was getting picked before it got picked. We just didn't know, necessarily know in what order we were going to get them picked. Exactly. Exactly. But we were ahead of it. We probably would have put. We probably. Yeah. We probably would have put Washington at one, and then we would have seen Michigan play Bama in the in the national championship, which would have been. Freaking electric, by the way. Um, just it, it would have been as good as the as good as it was the first time, you know. Except for it would have been the national championship and not in the semifinal game. So exactly. And then last podcast goal for me, I want to get us one active partnership or sponsorship or ambassadorship. I know we have one with our good friends at Zencaster, but I want to get one more. I'm starting to get a little greedy here. Let's go. Uh, Let's go find some partnerships to partner up with. I think uh, I think one more one more podcast goal for me this year. I want to get on one either Division One college football player uh, that is of status, or one professional NFL football player that is of status uh, in the upcoming year. It, it would be it would be something. I know we have a cup. We have connections out there to get somebody to get on. It's just a matter of, you know, sealing the deal. So I think that's got to be a podcast goal for us this upcoming year. Maybe we can do like a draft series or maybe an off-season series where we talk to some talk to some friends around the uh, around the industry and see uh, see what we can do. That sounds like it'd be a good time. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, now that we have Reed back here with us, let's transition into our last objective of the day. We have to draft our college football or our college football our Roger Ball playoff teams. Uh, we're drafting them in order of what we think will, who can win the Super Bowl. So uh, there's 14 teams that made the playoff. We're only going to do four draft picks each though. So that means two teams are getting left out. And if either of them win the Super Bowl, then well, we're just bad at our job here. So um, random number generator. It's been a while since we've broken this bad boy out. Uh, one to fifty, as always, and I'm I'm getting out in front of this. I'm taking the number thirty-four. So, uh, what would you guys like to have? Twenty-one, twenty-seven. We're kind of bunched up here. So, uh, twenty-one, twenty-seven, thirty-four, and survey says it is the number eight. So, Reed Grayson, and then me backing up the snake here. So. Uh, Reed, you have the first pick here. Who is going to be your first Super Bowl contender to win? This may be a shocker. It may not be. I'm taking the old faithful in the NFC, 
Give me uh, San Francisco. Expected. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, obviously, I'm taking the other one seed. Give me the Ravens in the number two slot. Yep, that's also expected. So, um, interesting choices that leaves me here. Um, man, I'll take the Bills as the number three. Uh, I'll take the variance. I know I kind of pooped on them earlier in the pod, but I think their variance is enough to where if they get hot for four weeks, they can win a Super Bowl. So I'll take the Bills. And to wrap up my leg here, I I can't take the Cowboys, not a team that hasn't even made the conference championship in 30 years. Uh, Give me a team and a coach who's done it before. Uh, I will take the Chiefs. Uh, to put it together for four weeks and uh, catch lightning in a bottle. So Bills and Chiefs is my two. Um, Yeah, I- I'm taking the bait. They have the best roster in football. They have the team to win. Give me the Cowboys. I, I think the Cowboys have a very good chance of winning this home. Very interesting. I got to stop the run first, but oh boy. I mean, I guess if I got back-to-backs here, I mean, I got to take the Eagles. You know, they're probably the best team remaining. I know they've been shaky, but they've been here before and uh, probably have to go in that direction. Um, if I have to go another way, I, you know, I guess I'll go with the Dolphins. You know, they've been poor lately, but uh, anything can happen here at this point And Leading off the third round, let's let's hope it doesn't get to this point. But yeah, I'll go with the Dolphins. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, let's go ahead and stamp it in there. Give me the Rams. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a different kind of beast right now. Um, I love this Rams team. Fair enough. Um, these are my last two selections here, and I can't believe these two are available still. So, give me the Detroit Lions as my next pick. And then lastly, I'll take the Cleveland Browns. I think their defense is good enough. And I think if Joe Flacco is able to finally keep the Cinderella shoe on for four more weeks, um, I think there are a legit chance to get it done. So I'll take the Browns and the Lions as my last two. Well, that leaves me Texans, Steelers, Buccaneers, and Packers. And with that being said, Brandon Perez would be a happy man. Give me the Houston Texans in this one. Um, I just I just can't get behind the Steelers with Mason Rudolph as a quarterback. And um, I could maybe go go pack go, but I, I just don't think I can get behind them either. And the Buccaneers are going to get absolutely devastated in their first game. So, Well, I feel like I have to go Packers here just because I feel like they – you know, they could win perhaps, but you know, we're, we're at this point where if it, it gets to this, you know, level where the Packers are, you didn't have a chance to advance. Uh, we're all in trouble. So I guess I'll round it off with that. Fair enough. So that leaves as our two teams, the Steelers and the Buccaneers. Um, gotta be honest. I, I'm pretty, I'm not shocked at that. I think that's probably the, uh, the two teams you should leave out. I know the, the Bucks have home field, Nobody sees them as legit. Baker is not that guy. They have some offensive weapons with with Evans, but just not doing it for me. Bad coaching as well. Todd Bowles, not a winner. Uh, 
yeah, I think the Bucks are the Bucks are terrible, and the Steelers just don't have the talent level. Uh, quarterback not good. T.J. Watt out. Um, we can go ahead and write them off as well, but maybe they'll cover the ten and a half this week. I uh, I predicted it earlier, so we'll, we'll have to see there. Never never count out uh, Mike Tomlin, but at this point in time, we're we're counting. Out. Yeah, pretty much. So. Well, that'll just about do it for this episode of the GT Counter Podcast. Um, Reed, thanks for joining us as always. Go ahead and tell the people where they can find you and, uh, you know, the picks you've been giving out lady, lately. Hot, hot, hot. Winner last night in the, in the association as well. Yeah, listen, Moneyline Masterclass on Spotify and Twitter. Um, now that college football is over, we are delving into the NBA. At some point, we'll hit up college basketball if I... Have a couple plays that I like, but you know, 1-0 oh last night. I'm 2-0 and oh today, so 3-0 oh have yet to find a loser riding the hot hand, and we'll see where it takes me. Absolutely. Uh, me and Grayson here, we will uh, make sure we get you through NFL here. And then off-season content, really a sandbox of stuff. So please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at GT Counterpod. Reach out to either of us on any of our social medias with any ideas. We'd be happy to entertain them. We've got some fun stuff planned, and we can't wait to bring it to you. So until next time, y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy Roger Ball, and uh, we will see you on Monday for the weekend recap. So be the man in the arena. Go make some money. Peace out, everybody.